Welcome to Scary Savannah and Beyond. What day is it? It's Saturday. And what does that mean? That means that we're going to be releasing another episode of the series we like to call A Saturday Scare. And this is where we provide you with some of the content you can find on our Patreon, right? So it's like a free sample. A free sample. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month if you'd like to sign up to our Patreon, right, Crystal? Yeah, there's a lot of good content over there for three bucks. Definitely. It's a deal. It is. You don't even have to use a coupon. Yeah. You can check that out at patreon.com forward slash scary savannah. And thank you for listening. To Scary Savannah and Beyond. This is going to be episode number 32 of our Patreon series. Hey, hey. <laughs> I know because she just updated it. And I've got a little friend down here. Layla and Coffee have joined us in the studio for this episode because Crystal's lost her mind. I thought they would lay down, but it's not happening. Not working so far. Yeah, they're here. You may not be able to see them. But then again, you might be able to see them on our wide angle. Yeah, you can see them. So they're here and they're going to help us out. And I thought this week I'd switch it up on everybody because everyone assumes I'm going to do a story about ghosts or I'm going to do a story about cryptids or I'm going to do a story about big government and how they're going to take over the universe. Or aliens. Or aliens. And they're usually hand in hand in these situations. For a change, I thought, you know, on a hunch of my own with no external influence whatsoever, that I would do a story about true crime. So this particular story is mine and not Crystal's. All the best ideas are stolen. So I want to just let you know that. For me. And I apologize in advance for not being Crystal. <laughs> and as some of you may have heard, there's a new movie out that I personally really want to see and have not yet had a chance to go see it. I know it's probably a huge mystery right now as to what this movie might be. It is not a superhero movie, which is what I usually want to go see in theaters. And unless you consider massive bears hopped up on drugs a superhero, then you probably don't think that that's what this is. I, however, sort of feel that the subject of this episode is kind of a superhero. And the movie in question is called Cocaine Bear! Yay! Yeah, I just like it because it reminds me of a zoo, and you know I'm really into zoos right now. Oh, I don't need to hear that, because you're <laughs> going to go try to beat me at Ark Nova here in a little bit. You should be sponsored by Ark Nova. I Our should. video should be sponsored by Capstone Games. It's They're the, the best game I've played in a very long time. So the name of the movie alone sold me on it, and I'd heard about the story years ago, because it happened years ago, but I never really Yeah, I told you about it, it a while ago. I, it's, it's something that... Um, the movie obviously sensationalizes mm-hmm. and takes quite a few creative liberties on the true story that this is based off of. However, that doesn't make it any less interesting as to what it really is. So there is a true crime aspect, and the true crime story is ridiculous. This bear that we're showing here was hopped up on so much cocaine that he could have single-handedly been transporting enough drugs in his body to make Pablo Escobar jealous. I wonder if they cut it out of his stomach, if it still has any use. 
I'm sure that because I'm sure they would have tried. As you can see, and I'll get into it as we read this story. He was taxidermied after he was found because he was found in a state of deceased. I can 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 imagine. Only imagine. (laughs) So the story opens in Colombia in 1985. Oh, Colombia. Yeah. 1985. Oh, Colombia. 1985. The hair was big. Andrew Carter Thornton boards an airplane with Bill Leonard in Monteria, Colombia. But this wasn't going to be a pleasure cruise at all. The plane was loaded to the brim with cocaine. Good times. His plans were to no doubt smuggle the cocaine for Bill Gates' levels of payoff and wealth. But his trip didn't go according to plan. So first, let's talk a little bit about Andrew because this man was almost unbelievable by himself. Thornton was born October 30th, 1944 in Bourbon County, Kentucky. Bourbon there? Probably not. <laughs> no. It's probably the only place it's in probably Kentucky, dry. The only place it's a dry in Kentucky that doesn't make bourbon. Yeah, it's a dry county. Sort of like when we went to the Jack Daniels distillery and it's in it's the a dry place county. you can't dr- buy the Jack Daniels. Yeah, but you can sample it. They get around that little oh, loophole. They, they've got loopholes. Yeah, they got loopholes. Exploit. So he grew up in Lexington, Kentucky and attended the private Sayer School. I think I'm saying that right. Ashley Judd went there as well. Is there a connection? I doubt it. Doubtful. I don't think Ashley Judd would have been, but like a few years old back then. Okay. Well, that's irrelevant to this story. (laughs) We're just going to say that perhaps she was somewhere in his ring. Maybe. Conjecture, of course. (laughs) He then transferred to the Siwani Military Academy, from which he graduated in 1962. And here's a picture of him now. Isn't he... Is this him with a parachute on? We're going to learn more about why it looks like he's wearing a parachute. He joined the ROTC and the University of Kentucky for a semester before deciding to leave the university to join the Army. While in the Army, he trained at Fort Bragg as a paratrooper for the 82nd Airborne Division. Okay, so his, uh, it's all coming together now. It is coming together. And keep this fact in mind because it will come into play later in our story. I've got it stored in my mind. Perfect. He was involved in the 1965 United States invasion of the Dominican Republic and even got awarded the Purple Heart for his service. So he sounds like he was in the thick of things, fighting for his country like a true patriot, right? Yeah, it sounds like he was injured as well. He was injured as well, fighting for our country. What a patriot. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. After this, he went back to school for a year, but dropped out so that he could train racehorses for his father. A logical next step. I mean, why not? It was definitely my second career choice behind selling vowels and instruments. <laughs> I just didn't you get to it. still got time. I didn't get to it. So I know what you're thinking. How did a guy like this end up in an airplane loaded with cocaine? And what in the world does this have to do with a bear? Well, had you not shown me the picture, I would have questions. But after seeing his picture, 
I would wonder why he wasn't in a plane like, with well, cocaine. Why and is bears? there not a bear and cocaine and a Cessna airplane? It just looks like all of these things happen every day it in this man's sense. life. After he left the army, Thornton got his degree in law enforcement in 1971 and joined the Lexington Police Department. What division do you think he may have been involved in? I'm going to go out on a limb and say narcotics. He was on the narcotics squad. I can't imagine why you would have thought that. While he was working with the police, he was taking night classes and eventually earned a law degree from the University of Kentucky College of Law. So he's smart. In 1976. So, yes. And that Sayer school I told you about, it's an exclusive school. It's not just anybody can... Go there. So he had education. He knew things, mm-hmm. and he was a paratrooper, which I can't imagine is a real easy thing to do. Yeah, but you know what's easier? An easier way to make money: drugs. Drugs probably would make a little bit mm-hmm. more money, I would imagine, yeah, than maybe than working officer. in the military or as a police officer or law enforcement, or even a lawyer. So it was at this point Thornton started smuggling. Couldn't have foreseen this, I'm Mm-mm. sure. He resigned from the force in 1977 and started practicing law in Lexington. So he could get himself out of a jam. He was going to be his own lawyer. We just saw how well that worked out. So I'm sure it probably would have worked wonders for him. Then in 1981, Thornton and 24 other men were accused in Fresno, California, regarding stealing weapons from the China Lake Naval Weapons Center and conspiring to smuggle 1,000 pounds of marijuana into the United States. That he, doesn't sound so bad. I mean, it's only 1,000 pounds. Yeah. I mean, how, how criminal can that oh, be? Oh, I guess it's the gateway drug. Next comes the cocaine. Especially if you smoke 1,000 pounds of it, it's probably a gateway into another <laughs> universe. He, of course, pleaded not guilty to these charges. He then left California and was arrested in North Carolina as a fugitive He was, at the time, wearing a bulletproof vest and carrying a firearm. You know, what normal, non-drug smuggling people typically do. I'm not wearing a vest. Don't check. How would I know that? (laughs) I mean, you typically wear one when we go to North Carolina and you're carrying your firearm. I do have a pretty blue firearm. He then pled no contest in Fresno to a misdemeanor drug charge and his felony charges were dropped. He was sentenced to six months in prison, fined $500, and was placed on a five-year probation. Needless to say, his law license was also suspended. Sounds like a slap on the wrist. It does. It's like, well, you ain't going to do that again, are you, Bobby? Uh, I think $500 is roughly... $530 $530 no, today? it's like 3000 something, maybe close to 4000 You have a conversion rate for that? Yeah, I actually was listening to a podcast earlier today in 1970-something. Told you the formula. Well, they were talking about $500 in 1970-something was equivalent to 3500 today, so it's going to be a little bit more than so that. So give or take $4,500, $5,000. It's still eh, it's a ridiculously low amount of money. But the uh, getting his law license suspended, that's not an easy thing to get back. I wouldn't think so. Probably have to take some classes and such. You know, maybe do some community service service (laughs) and such. Maybe this will bring us back to September 11th, 1985, and an airplane filled with cocaine destined for Knoxville, Tennessee. 
Unfortunately for Thornton, it seems that the plane was overloaded with massive amounts of the drug, so much so that they had to jettison the cargo to keep from crashing. Some of the cargo was dropped off over the state of Georgia. And landed right here on Tybee Island. (laughs) Yeah, right on Tybee. After dropping the cargo, it seems it wasn't enough, and Thornton and Leonard had to abandon the plane over the area of Knoxville, Tennessee, via parachute, of course, because paratrooper. So if they threw all the cocaine off, it was still too heavy? I believe. From what I've read in various sources, they seem to disagree with each other, but some say that it was intentionally dropped off at various places that was intended for his associates to retreat, is what I think is one of the stories. Some of the story says that the plane was overloaded, or there may have been other mechanical issues. It just seems like such a smart guy. The plane itself ended up crashing. Oh, I was going to say, it seems like they would have figured out how much weight the plane could carry in advance. Maybe. But then again... When you have multiple millions of dollars worth of cocaine in a small Cessna airplane, you probably ain't following all the safety They're protocols. They're probably sampling that, it first. And like, yeah, it's good. Right off a stiletto blade. <laughs> you know, because oh, that's, I can see that's it. how they do it. Yeah. The you know how they cut yeah. the, the bag open yeah. and they take their knife and oh, do yeah. this stuff. Of course. There's no other way. Of course. Leonard went first and had no issues landing. Now, remember Thornton was a trained paratrooper from Fort Bragg, the 82nd. Division, which is apparently some well-known types of people that would know how to use a parachute. Oh, I'm smelling a rat here, Leonard. No, I don't think it's a rat because of what happened. Okay. Leonard would later say in a 1990 interview with the Knoxville News Sentinel that he had no idea that they were there to be smuggling drugs until Thornton had landed the plane in Monteria, Columbia. But you got back on the plane. Apparently so. I guess he didn't want to stay in Colombia. Well, yeah, I guess who are you going to call in Colombia? You're going to see if your buddy Pablo yeah. is going to take you back? <laughs> I was like, what do you do? Okay. Yeah, I didn't know there were drugs in <laughs> Colombia. <laughs> but what of Thornton? Flash forward to the morning of September 11th, 1985. Fred Myers wakes up and starts to go about his normal business at his Knoxville, Tennessee home. I'm assuming that he had his morning coffee and perhaps was maybe going outside to get the newspaper out of his front yard, maybe oh, off of his newspapers. driveway. Oh, I remember the days of newspapers. Back in 1985. When my grandparents would sit around, read the newspaper. Do the crosswords. Do the crosswords. Read the comic section. Read the, the funnies. They called them the, the funnies, funnies and they'd have their coffee and cigarette. Then yep. they'd hand me, you remember on Sunday, they'd have the special page for kids. Do you remember the one that had the thing you'd try to look at? And if you looked at the pattern, you would see three-dimensional shapes like elephants and stuff. Mm -hmm. I could never do that. Oh, really? My eyes never worked. (laughs) It's just one of the many features of my body that don't seem to function properly, I guess. So he walks outside, maybe to get his newspaper. Who knows? Whatever it is people did in the 1980s in Tennessee. When he walks to his yard, he finds the body of Thornton lying in his driveway. It seems in his haste to drop from the plane, he had gotten tangled up in his parachute and it didn't work properly. So he had his final landing, so to speak. How unfortunate. Myers said that the body looked fine, except for some dried blood that had come out of his nostrils. Thornton 
however, was locked and loaded and ready to go if he had survived this jump. He was, at the time, wearing a bulletproof vest, night vision goggles, two different handguns, he had ammo for the guns, a stiletto knife, because of course that's what you use to mm-hmm. sample open the your cocaine wares. bags, you know. He had some freeze-dried food, forty five hundred dollars in cash, which I guess by your money is gonna like be twenty over. something, thirty thousand yeah, dollars maybe. Yeah. Multiple different fake IDs, a duffel bag full of cocaine, which by itself was worth millions of dollars, and most importantly, a pair of Gucci loafers. He's so Gucci. I mean, he's before it was cool. No <laughs> self-respecting drug smuggling paratrooper would be caught dead in New Balance and they're shoes. They're going to wear fairies for goodness' you know, sake. He was caught dead wearing Gucci. He was caught dead wearing Gucci. Ah, and there goes Layla doing exactly what I feared. Well, the dog's on camera now, and she's ruined the shot. Hey guys, <laughs> she said. Okay, she's down. <laughs> he was also quite dead. And this is the part of the story where the bear comes in. Cocaine bear? Cocaine bear. Is that the name they gave him? They didn't give him like a name like George? He's got other names. Oh, okay. Which we'll get to. Okay. The various drops of cocaine that they had thrown from the plane were found in places along the route of their flight path. But the one that we're most interested in is the one that happened around... Somewhere local to Blairsville, Georgia. That's where Kylie's getting married. Well, what do you know? <laughs> I wonder if there's it any left. Like maybe. <laughs> probably not. So this shipment dropped into the woods and something decided that cocaine was to be its next meal. And not just a little cocaine or a smidgen of cocaine or even most of the cocaine. This creature consumed all of the cocaine. Well, it probably tasted pretty good. I don't think so, but the bear (laughs) probably thought so. Unfortunately, unlike the movie, once the bear was found by authorities, it had already died from what we'll call the largest overdose of cocaine in recorded history. I wonder if they did a toxicology test. Did they They see how much? They did do an examination, a post-mortem examination. The container stash the bear had gotten into had originally held around 75 pounds of cocaine worth at the time around $20 million. How does anything eat 75 pounds of food? Of Look anything? at him. <laughs> he was probably wearing that hat when they found him. And the chain. And the chain. <laughs> With his name on it, cocaine bear. <laughs> yeah. When authorities found the scene, All of the containers had been ripped open with only traces of the cocaine left. The bear itself was a black bear, and Dr. Kenneth Alonzo, then the chief medical examiner from the Georgia State Crime Lab, stated that the bear's stomach was, quote, literally packed to the brim with cocaine. Wow. They also said there isn't a mammal on the planet that could survive that. Cerebral hemorrhaging, respiratory failure, hyperthermia, renal failure, heart failure, stroke, you name it, that bear had it. Did he have 20-20 vision still? Apparently, he saw into the future (laughs) and lost his mind. The bear, outwardly, appeared to be in physically okay condition. I know, he's still looking good. Yeah, he's he's looking pretty good. I never knew he was a druggie. Never knew he (laughs) OD'd. 
on all of the cocaine. <laughs> and even though it seems that he suffered every possible vital system failure known to man, he still looked okay for that. He's still looking good. He probably had the best 20 minutes of his life before everything internally exploded. I'm just guessing. You think it took 20 minutes? Probably not. I wonder how long. It seems like it would take a while to just eat all that. I don't know. If he eats like our dogs do, he's bigger than the dogs. I imagine he probably ate 75 pounds of cocaine in about 13 seconds, I'm I'm (laughs) estimating, from tearing open the containers to consumption. Yeah. I found this quote on the Kentucky for Kentucky webpage, and we'll link that in the show notes, which I think is a majestic description of what probably happened. One minute, he's trying to find enough berries to survive another boring day in the Chattahoochee. The next minute, he's ripping fat rails of Colombian disco dust off of tree stumps and water skiing in jeans with Alan Jackson, forcing all of the other bears to listen to Huey Lewis in the news before chopping their heads off with an axe. That is so something you would write. It, it seems like it doesn't. It came but right out of your brain. I, I did not write that. Wow. I came from that website. I, I probably should meet this you person. You should find out who was the writer. Because we uh, may be soulmates. You may be. That's entirely possible. I don't even know if it's a he. It might be a she. Well, better I not be a she if you're a soulmate. I, I mean, like <laughs> I thought you already way, had one of those. You no, know, I do. But you don't write stuff <laughs> like that. Although I have twisted your sense of humor since we first met. Now you're even darker than me, honestly. You think so? Yeah, I do. And I think you hold back. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like super funny and it just shocks you. Every once in a while she says something. I'm like, you know what? She might be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Alonzo thought it would be a shame for such a majestic creature to be disposed of. So he decided to have it taxidermied and donate it to the Chattahoochee River National Recreation Area. There it was displayed but no mention was made of its quite sordid past. In the early 1990s, it seems a wildfire forced the park to evacuate their facilities. What do you think about taxidermied animals? Are you a fan? I know you want to do that to our dog when she moves on from this world, but I am not a fan because I think it's creepy. We could like put her right there on the bed and she'd still be It would be so terrifying and depressing to see her all the time and be like, it's not Layla, it's a stuffed dog. But it's still Layla. Not even her eyes. They put marbles in where their eyes go. Okay. I I thought you were going to put her in a necklace. I will. So it won't creep you out as much. Terrify me. If I put her in a necklace though? If you put her... Ashes in a necklace, yeah. okay. If you put the <laughs> you think dog I could carry neck, her around? Like get her head stuffed and <laughs> oh, just God. carry her head around? Even her head would be too heavy for me uh, to pick it up. It would be. They took many artifacts, including the bear, and put them into a temporary storage area in Dalton, Georgia. And then, shortly thereafter, the cocaine bear disappeared. But the story gets stranger from here. It seems some of the other artifacts that were in the same storage area as the cocaine bear started appearing in a Nashville pawn shop. Everything, that is, but our friend, the cocaine bear. The reason why? It seems that he had already been sold from the pawn shop before anyone found out about the provenance of the artifacts. But who would purchase such a random albeit awesome, thing from a pawn shop. I mean, other than like us. Yeah, I would definitely. No hesitation. Yeah. Give me the cocaine bear. 
It didn't even have to be a cocaine bear. It'd just be a bear. And you'd be like, wow, a bear? Yeah. I'll find I've a place to put seriously that. seriously considering getting a taxidermied animal to put in the house. Oh, my goodness. Maybe like a flamingo. Do they taxidermy flamingos? I would never even I mean, have the opportunity to think about that. They do ducks, don't they? Sure. We'll look into it. Maybe when we go back to Vegas, we'll ask them if we can have one out of the pond. It would be super authentic. It would go perfectly. Why don't you just get a stuffed animal? I have those. Not a taxidermy animal. I have stuffed flamingos, but. Uh, well, we'll talk about it later <laughs> after I alert the authorities and <laughs> we make sure that you're taken care of, okay? Okay. Well, who. Nobody hurts themselves. Who wound up with cocaine bear? I got to know. Allegedly, none other than outlaw country singer superstar Waylon Jennings had gotten a hold of the cocaine bear. Well, I could see that in his house. Waylon Jennings with the cocaine bear. Yeah. He'd go to open mics with us and stuff. Yeah. Just makes sense. Because of course it was Waylon Jennings that bought it. He might have thought it still had some merchandise in its belly. I don't know. There's many things that could have lent to that purchase. Must have got a really good deal then if it did. No, no, no. (laughs) If he got a great deal. Court documents appear to say that the owner of the pawn shop was unaware of the bear's history. He just thought it was a random stuffed black bear, you know, like the kind you frequently see in local pawn shops. All the time. It seems that Jennings, who is said to be an avid collector of taxidermy and random oddities. See, I'm not the only one. Not the only one. I'm sure he probably has a taxidermied flamingo. He's probably dead. He told authorities that the pawn shop owner in question had called him the minute the bear had hit the door and had told him all about its (laughs) drug-related past, and he told him all about the Thornton connection. Liar. Jennings reportedly had done business with the pawn shop in question in the past, as it seems he does business with pawn shops all over America, or did, if he's still around, I didn't check to see, which is why he was the owner of the pawn shop's first call. Is Waylon Jennings still alive? I have no idea. Maybe I'm thinking of Conrad Twitty. He's dead. Hello, darling. Yeah. Waylon Jennings, what is he saying? Uh, hello, darling. <laughs> I don't know offhand. I don't even know. We used to listen to it all the time, too. I know, I but I can't think of, of it right now. I hope he's alive. I don't know. And still has his bear. Waylon Jennings died in 2002. Oh, see, I was right. I thought he died. Long gone. He must be buried with a taxidermied flamingo or whatever it is people like that would have done. When confronted by authorities, he told them that the original owners could have it back. That is, if they wanted to come to Las Vegas to get it. Get my plane ticket. Because Vegas, it's always Vegas. Yeah. I mean, where else would you expect Cocaine Bear to end up? Jennings claims he had no idea the bear was stolen and wouldn't have bought it if he was aware of that fact. It seems Jennings had bought the bear for a friend named Ron Thompson, formerly from Kentucky, but at the time had lived in Las Vegas. Thompson was quite the hustler in Vegas. He was known as the host with the most, and at some of his events, Jennings would provide the entertainment, while Andrew Thornton Provided the cocaine. Oh, so there's a connection. There's a connection. When Jennings found cocaine out. Cocaine bear comes home. That should be the story. Cocaine bear comes home. It <laughs> should be like a children's book. <laughs> I'm going to write that That'd book. That would be hilarious. I'm going to write this book. 
when kids G- these days, they're exposed to all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's probably the tamest thing they'll learn <laughs> at four years old. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. When Jennings found out about Cocaine Bear and the story behind it, he couldn't resist purchasing the bear for Thompson and sent it to his Vegas mansion. Oh, I'd love to have a Vegas mansion. Well, who wouldn't? <laughs> Thompson died in 2009, and a lot of his estate was sold at auction. One of the items on the auction's manifest was one taxidermied North American black bear. Cocaine sold separately. <laughs> that wasn't on the manifest, but I'm <laughs> pretty sure that it's just, you know, inferred. It's, an, it's implied. And the buyer from the estate was none other than Zhu Shang, which I'm probably not saying right, but I'm trying, who was a Chinese immigrant living in Reno, not Vegas, but close enough. I wonder if he ever stayed at the Clown Motel on his way in and out of it's Vegas. It's like in between the two, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. He was the only bidder and won the bear on the opening bid for $200. Wow, that's a steal. Zhu used the bear as decoration in his traditional Chinese medicine shop. That makes sense. Because it just makes sense. <laughs> it does. Chang died in 2012 and his wife sold his business, but she kept the bear. Her thoughts on the bear? And this is a quote from his wife. He was always bringing home junk from auctions and estate sales and things like that, she said. The bear was one of his favorite things. He just loved it for some reason. At first, he wanted to keep it in our living room, but I wouldn't have it. It scared me. I made him take it to the store. <laughs> Come I on, lady. I the living room. Why is I that would such a big deal? It's just a humongous bear. Yeah, I think that's cool, though. I do, too. Would, Obviously, she has no taste whatsoever. You would have a taxidermy bear in the house? Not in my house. But if we have a mansion, then you can have your own living room that you can put it in, and I'll have my what personal living room. What about a flamingo? Room. That's not scary. That could also be in your personal living room. Oh, come on. It could be in one of our four living rooms. Okay. She seemed to have no knowledge of the bear's crippling cocaine addiction, however. She just thought it was a normal bear, but that the taxidermy wasn't that great and looked amateurish because it had visible scarring on its abdomen. Because his stomach had been cut open. It seems that those scars were an indicator that it was indeed cocaine bear, as those matched up with where it had a post-mortem examination by the GBI 30 years before. And that's where the current owners, Kentucky for Kentucky, knew that they had struck a gold mine. They had tracked down the cocaine bear by making those calls to the auction house and locating the previous owner, the Chinese medicine shop guy, and spoke to his wife. They're the ones that got that quote. Mm. They relayed the story to her about the bear the origins and his of past, cocaine his bear. sordid past, yeah. and their quest to try to track the bear down. It was almost so unbelievable that she was like, I, I can't imagine that this is true. You're making all this up. However, since she said they'd gone through so much trouble to track it down, that they could have the, quote, damn thing <laughs> just to get it out of her sight. They just have to pay shipping, of course. I'm sure that costs more than the $200 he paid for it. Of course. I mean, when that poster up there costs $300, oh, no, imagine right? what that costs. It's <laughs> yeah. probably at least $302. Yeah. And that's how Cocaine Bear ended up at the Fun Mall of Kentucky for Kentucky. So what is that? Like a... 
I think they're an organization that is sort of an advocate for all things Kentucky. They're based out of Kentucky. It's for Kentucky music products, patriotic stuff for Kentucky. They do all that. I'll link the their website in our show notes, but that okay. is where, at least as of the time of this story, the actual cocaine bear resides. How far away is Kentucky? A lot farther away than Harris Cherokee Casino oh, we was talking okay. about the other day. So I'll now, just have to look at him on the internet. Yeah, why well, you can look at him right there? Isn't he beautiful? What is the Apparently white stuff he wears, by his eye? Uh, is that like a makeup? I don't know. It might be eye boogies like you were all playing. So now you know the true story of the cocaine bear. But now that we're so familiar with him, we should probably call him by his real name, Pablo Escobar. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> is that him? Yeah. They changed the... Oh, it's just a different... Yeah, different oh, angle. They apparently I thought he was standing. I could see where that could scare you. He look angry. Yeah, like if you just walk in the room and it looks like it's coming at you. But if you're close with him, you can call him Koki the bear, too. Oh, I like that. Koki. His legacy lives on to this day, as many of the people whose wedding he's officiated at can attest to. Really? That's right. Cocaine Bear has the authority to officiate legally binding weddings in the mall where he's kept due to Kentucky's marriage laws. You don't believe me, do you? Look it up. That's hilarious. It may only be partially true, but I think, you know, you do some examination and you can find out. There's a loophole in there. He doesn't actually officiate the weddings, although technically he does. We could go have our vows renewed by Cocaine Bear. Wouldn't that be romantic? (laughs) So romantic. Mm. And that's my stab at true crime. So, Crystal, did this story live up to your true crime needs, or did I just barely scratch the surface? You see what I did there? You kill me, which is a crime. A crime? How'd it go? (laughs) You believe in the cocaine bear? Yeah, I love him. But what is this movie about? Like, it's a horror comedy? It's a comedy horror movie, which has practically nothing to do whatsoever with the actual story, (laughs) as I understand it, because neither of us have seen the movie yet, although I do want to go see it. Yeah, we should go see it. So let's do that. Let's go see Cocaine cocaine Bear. Bear. I'll let you know if it was, uh, if it lived up to the hype. Blockbuster. It (laughs) can't be worse than anything else that's out there now.